Hey there, and welcome to You Talk. We highlight stories from across Canada, the diverse cultures and communities living here, and individuals and organizations that help make life the best it can be. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. Cameron Robertson is a Cree speaker who values all indigenous languages. His goals are to teach his culture's words and language through the human spirit of storytelling. Before he was eight, he lived with his grandfather, a trapper, near Norway House. I talked with Cam about his dream to bring back his language, community, media, and how he became a writer. I'm a writer. I tell all, I tell all these stories in, in books. I write books and novels. And uh, well, I'm working on a novel now and uh, has a lot to do uh, with the Aboriginal history uh, in, in, in an Aboriginal perspective, I guess I would put it. But uh, it also teaches you language while you read. Um, I call it the Forgotten Soldier. <clears throat> it's about um, hunters, trappers going to World War One, and uh, while you're reading it, uh, it teaches you language. I have three uh, words in there, along with uh, in brackets, I have the English meaning of the three word, but it's also color coded, and it's actually uh, a type of software that teaches you how to read. Uh, the language, how to speak. I enjoy writing. I enjoy teaching my language. Uh, right now, I am uh, a free lab tech at the uh, University of Winnipeg, but uh, things can change. Uh, I'm trying to uh, go into business on my own. Um, I, I work with um, theaters. I work with uh, people building commercials, doing books, uh, um, just uh, teaching them my language and uh, helping them along with uh, some words and stuff. And I just kind of familiarize people with uh, with the language. I guess uh, I helped them. Uh, I've helped a gentleman out with uh, with five stories just recently, and uh, I wrote them into three for him, and uh, with, along with the syllabics. And uh, you know, I love doing that. I love helping helping them with the, with the language. Um, Cree writing um, it's called Roman orthography. It's uh, it's fairly new. It was used before, but uh, it's it's fairly new again. Um, it, it, um, I I'm still learning, but uh, I'm from from my last my crease my syllabics. Uh, I would read syllabics a long time ago, but I'm still trying to remember. And it's fun remembering because I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'm like remembering all the techniques and all the all the things, and I'm like. It's, it's fun. It's like waking up uh, from a sleep and I'm like, yeah. It must be a really exciting moment, yeah, when those words and uh, meanings and pronunciations come back to you after so long. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, there, there are certain words that I can hear that I, I, I when I'm writing, I hear uh, elders speaking. I, I hear their voices. I hear their words and I hear their I hear what they're saying. Like they're telling me this. I hear. I guess it's my grandfather in a way, but I hear him telling me these stories, and I'm like writing them in Cree. But then I have to change the words into English to, so other people can follow. But I'm hearing all the stories in my head in Cree, and and that's it's hard to make them into English. Like, and I edit. Isn't there like something? I'm not sure about the studies, but isn't there like shared knowledge through genetics? Isn't that? Yeah. It, Something. Yeah, it, it's called uh, um, uh, blood memory. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like how uh, how the geese know where they 
where they were born and where they nest every year, they have that blood memory. They go to south and then they come back to the same spot. But there's a marshals built there, so they still they still have the nest there. <laughs> <laughs> or safely. But you know, just because of blood memory that these these are they're nesting at where there's construction sites now and where there's uh how would i say uh uh prog progressive or progression and uh to them it's not progressive progressive or you know it's not progress but uh, in the eyes of humanity it's progress for us but uh unfortunately not for them and a lot of animals are going through this like there's a lot of displacement in, in this world right now. Um, you know, there's uh, coyotes running around in these caves because they're hungry and they're coming into the city to come and eat the cats or whatever. It's really unfortunate. Um, I love watching uh, David Attenborough's yeah, yeah, uh, I love them. Uh, stuff and document. Uh, and one of the new ones, I can't remember the name, but it just talks about the wilderness left in the world there's only about 30 to 40 percent of natural wildlife left in the world yeah like that's that's so mind-boggling yeah that's sad that's like you know and it's only it's only fading like look, it's only getting worse you know, look what they did in bc they they cut down those huge trees that grew 500 years you know for 500 years and they just cut them down now they're now they're suffering heat you know, heat, heat waves and stuff. I, I think that's something that I've been learning and that we can learn a lot from our indigenous communities mm -hmm. is that connection to the land. You know, since the 70s, we've started seeing, um, you know, Western civilization starting to get on board. You know, you see the, the hippie movements and, and scientists being like, wait, maybe we should, like, be more careful. Yeah, yeah. But then you have the massive conglomerates that are like, no, 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 everything's fine. Yeah. But your people, they've always known about it and about the importance of uh, protecting the land. Protecting the land, yeah. Like my grandfather, like where I where I grew up out in the lake, uh, I used to be able to see, you know, to the bottom of the lake, uh, fish swimming around and, uh, you know, it was just so clean and beautiful. Now I'm out there and uh, I can't see nothing. I can't even put my hand in. I can't. I can't even see. Maybe, you know, a, a, an inch, in, an inch in the water, or a couple of inches in the water. Your hand disappears, and that's that's scary. That's you know, and that there's algae and whatever stuff that that I'm growing on on the rocks, and they have all these snails that are evading, you know, and it's sad. It makes me cry. Like the beach I used to go running around to when I was a kid is no longer a beach. It's I don't know what it is. It's just a. It looks like garbage. Like it looks horrible. It looks like mm -hmm. a swamp. And it used to be a beautiful beach. What What sort of lessons do you think that us as a uh, the Western colonizers can, can learn from uh, indigenous communities about protecting the land? What do we need to start demanding from our um, from our corporations and governments? People need to need to respect life a little more like they need to wake up today today i'm going to honor this day by you know doing something positive like uh i today i'm i'm going for a walk and i'm gonna go take pictures and uh, i'm gonna I'm, i make i make a flashcard so i take my own pictures and then i uh, create flashcards so. and uh 
yeah to kind of spur that language yeah so so i'm gonna go take these pictures of things people are doing and uh, that's my thing of the day um my, my benefit of the day i would say or my giving back of the day but people need to do this every day where you know to, so the world can i don't know balance out or be more positive and instead of waking up and wanting to fight the world and wanting to kill the world uh, you know, do something to benefit you know people they don't do that anymore they, they just go and want to just they just want to go and take over the world and they should people should really want to just take care of the world instead of taking trying to take it over and uh, i i see that all the time like um i see people throwing out you know garbage you know, driving down the street or whatever you see a plastic thing flying out the window and, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, and there's like a whole conversation we could get into, you know, about like social economic stability and, you know, how that, mm -hmm. you know, gives people agency to stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, if we want things to change, our policymakers have to do yeah. it. That's, they have to do it. That's... They have to find ways to, to, to kind of better. Uh, like I see that the uh, Manitoba, um, they have this app where you, where, where can win money to recycle and that's a good idea like uh, you know they have contests so, so people can recycle and that that'll that'll bring out a lot of uh, a lot of people on will wanting will want to play that game to recycle so you can win money and you know, things like that would so you know benefit the earth because i see people with their phones picking up uh i was driving down uh I was going down the street the other day or back lane and I seen this guy with a phone picking out uh, blue boxes and picking up, you know, garbage uh, from the ground and taking pictures of them before he put, puts them to the blue box. So he's playing that recycling game. So, you know, stuff like that, stuff like that would benefit. Uh, um, on reserve, um, people don't really recycle because, you know, they, they, they need to... Uh, they need help to understand. Um, like they, they're just so used to, uh, I guess, uh, recycling. But they don't recycle. You know, they just throw everything in the garbage. You know, they're not, they're not taught. Uh, but uh, they should, like, um, they should uh, learn. Maybe uh, somehow uh, be taught uh, how to recycle, how it benefits, uh, you know, the earth. Yeah, it's a small thing. It's really too bad that the developers of plastics back in, I think it was like World War Two, yeah. in order to you know preserve foods for the soldiers going over. They ran, but they kind they of ran out of rubber or something and they invented plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, polymers. Yeah. That's the yeah. right word, polymers. That these polymers of all these different uh, types of plastics and items. Yeah, like they oversold recyclability. But what a, that's a fun yeah. word to say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really There's way other things. Um, a video I was watching talked about uh, mycelium fungus oh, yeah. and how they can use it to make like containers, construction materials. Instead of foam, it would be uh, this mushroom-based material. Wow. It's so it's so cool. It's so cool. It's like yeah, let's. Let's invest in. The, I mean, when people say like, "ew," it's it's mushrooms. It's like plastic is way gross. Yeah, plastic is around for five hundred years. But um, 
they're they're finding like loopholes too. Like they're saying, uh, oh, we found something that'll eat plastic, but you know that's not. You know, you gotta have millions of those little bugs that'll eat plastic, but it's still. It's it's cool in a lab setting, yeah. not necessarily practical to solve our plastic problem. Yeah. That, that's probably made by uh, people that are producing the plastic. You know, they're probably paying those people to say that. So keep it in keep it in the media. Like, oh look, look, oh we're not such bad guys. We're helping out. We're doing our part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is like one of the big issues for me is like people have my people have to learn to recycle and learn how to like we we used to uh like uh, when we hunted animals none of our none of the body parts went to, went to waste we used everything from the balls to, to whatever is the, the fur or food and whatever now we have this plastic so <clears throat> we need to kind of learn to kind of modernize a way to kind of like maybe use this plastic again <laughs> or figure out a way to kind of like find yeah new new ways and you know hopefully as you know relations between non-indigenous and indigenous communities continue to grow as be- people continue to become more open-minded and i think our uh, our new like the youngest generations like gen z and those coming yeah. in they're, they're kind of on top of everything they're like really socially conscious yeah like they they get along, which is great to see, especially like um, Gen Z uh, TikTokers that are you know reclaiming their cultural identity yeah. and like showcasing like indigenous culture and language on social media platforms. Yeah. I see a lot of those. I see a lot of. I think uh, I I see a lot of that it makes me happy. But um, a lot of them have they don't know their language, you know, and this is why I'm trying to help them out and. Um, like I'm and dialect. There's people that are doing the through Facebook groups that are Y dialect, and there's some in the East, and uh, and uh, I think I'm only one of maybe three or four N dialects. But uh, I have a Facebook group too that uh, that I teach language on. So I have people from all around the world that are learning free um, kids, kids and whatever. Like, I don't mind that. Um, I think that pre-teaching um, should be free, you know, when I was born without the, uh, but there are people out there that are charging, you know, to, to teach. Well, you know, when in a capitalist society. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I teach, I teach for free online. Um, but if you want to buy my material, it's different. It's, it'll cost. You. Well, I mean, yeah, some things have a cost to yourself and you have to recoup financial burden off yourself. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't get stuff printed or made for free. I have to mm-hmm. pay them. So I, I, uh, I wish I can, but you know. I mean that that sounds like there needs to be some sort of uh, programs and initiatives in there for <laughs> indigenous speakers to you know have access to material so they can teach. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing all that curriculum. Uh, like I, uh, I do my flashcards. There's like ten games you can play on those flashcards. It's like you guess a word in Cree and try to figure out which word. And then there's a syllabics game where you're learning so syllabics and you look at the picture and you point uh, which which uh, syllabics goes where, which Cree words. You know what syllabics are? They're Cree, they're Cree words uh, spelled. Uh, there are certain um, uh, certain style of um, words. You can do maybe a little bit of research on them. They're Cree syllabics. Uh, 
Like I teach that that format when it comes to language. Like I don't teach the syllabics, but I teach the words uh, that uh, pronounced in, in the syllabics format, and uh, it's an easy way to teach. You know? Plus, it's like people that have memories and stuff. They 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 uh, they they'll remember when they look at the, the syllables and. Uh, it's easier for them. Getting back on track in terms of uh, talking about uh, uh, knowledge, you're you're going through all this effort to reclaim and teach uh, this nearly lost uh, language back. <laughs> I guess uh, for those who are unaware or uneducated on the whole topic, why is language so important uh, to the indigenous people? And just from the Cree perspective. Like for myself, when I moved from the trap line to um, to kindergarten, um, we went to a school. Uh, it's called Jack River School. It was uh, run run by uh, missionaries, the Catholic missionaries, and we weren't allowed to speak our language. Um, every time uh, we said something, or we were we were strapped, or we were we, we were talking, we weren't talking bad. We just didn't know how to speak English yet. We were just kids. But then we would we would only speak our own only words we knew, and they would still go and strap us. And back then we were told we were bad because of speaking their language. And, uh, and uh, we grew, I grew up believing this, like my language was bad. Um, I would uh, learn English when I went to school during the day, and but go home and uh, I would speak Cree, and uh, this became my world for so long. And uh, it was hard. Uh, to balance these worlds, you know. Um, but the good became the Western language, you know, uh, and the bad uh, was the Cree language. And this is what I believed all my life. Like, uh, my people back home still believe this. Um, you know, I walk up to people back home my age and I talk Cree to them and just reply to me in English. And uh, this is. It's so hard to find a Cree speaker back home <laughs> because um, people like uh, think it's bad. I guess because of the yeah, people are indoctrinated yeah. into believing Western language and English is the only way to speak. Yeah, like uh, there's uh, there's drum groups that are arriving back home now. Um, the the powwow powwow people are singing powwow songs again and. Um, <clears throat> No, I was. We were driving by. Um, we were driving by this powwow drum group, and my cousin says, "Oh, can you hear those people? What are they doing here? Like, this is not our way." You know, they were because they were so mission. They were so. Uh, they've been. The missionaries has have done their job. You know, they, they've done their job. They've made people ashamed of their culture. They made. They made them ashamed of who they were, and they don't speak their languages anymore. It's very similar to what it's like to have an abusive partner, and you you can't get away with them. Like yeah, you're like connect. You're so ingrained with them at that point, but they've really done a number on you. Yeah, yeah, that's how it is to them. That's how that's I see that. And, uh, I see that back home, and uh, people are like, "Oh, they weren't that bad. They weren't really that bad." But you know, they were bad. We weren't allowed to speak their language, and we weren't allowed to practice. Uh, like um, me, I, like I, when I was eight, um, nine, we, we grew up. We left the trap line, 
Um, we moved to Norway House. And uh, my grandmother was non-treaty back then because she married uh, my my great my grandfather. She was he's deceased. He was he, he died in a, he died in a, he drowned I guess when he was thirty two years something. But my grandfather was a kind of like a step grandfather. But uh, he was a trapper. And, but we moved into Norway House and um, we lived on a non-treaty area. Um, because my grandfather, my grandmother was not treated, so um, so um, we we were out of we felt out of place. But I went to school. We were we were treaty, but non treaty. But I always felt out of place because um, it felt like I didn't belong either on the treaty side or non treaty side. Because I don't know, I was a trapper, and you know, I grew up out there. And uh, but come moving in into this. Um, moving into Winori House and then uh, like uh, having to speak uh, English at school during the day and then going home to speak Cree was hard and then and then uh, when then we moved to Winnipeg uh, around that time about eight nine and this is the first time I ever seen uh, McDonald's or you know how how organized everything was how the bro- how the buildings were so neatly together and how the streets were all straight and this was a whole new world to me like my world was I, I wouldn't say it's just all natural you know, compared to the city like even coming into the city i seen all these rows of farmland and everything just so straight and perfect you know i'm like wow it's definitely one of those things like uh when you're taking a flight and you're coming over and you're seeing everything wow there's no grasslands it's just yeah a check bar. It's almost like a quilt. Like the whole land is just a quilt of farms. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. Like I was like, wow. Like I felt, uh, I felt like I was on a different planet, you know. But it was really uh, my planet. <laughs> but it felt different. And uh, learning the learning this way of life in Winnipeg was hard because I, I experienced racism, and you know, uh, I. We, there was a group of kids, kids group, group of us. We we joined uh, together and yeah, we were called gangs and whatever. But we were just really a support group and uh, you know, kind of uh, we were experiencing the same things and being attacked and being you know, people driving by calling us names and stuff. And uh, you know, we 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 just kind of stuck together and uh, did uh, we, we hung out together. You know, growing up in, in the city here. Yeah. Well, you have to find people that you know. Yeah. Otherwise, what do you do? You feel so alone. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. And they and they all speak. They all spoke Cree. Um, so we all hung out and talked and uh, made made each other feel uh, like uh, we weren't lost. I guess. Uh, and uh, it was different dialects of Cree. There was a TH dialect friend of mine from. Uh, way up north and then there was a Y dialect and then there was another dialect from the east but we all understood each other and it was cool like different sounding words and different but we still kind of understood it was it was neat uh, how we kind of just uh, hung out and you know we used each other for support and laughter and played games and you know um, living in this different world now we're all grown up, and uh, I still talk to some of them uh, on online on Facebook, and uh, 
you know, we'd still say hi and talk and, you know, we, uh, we kind of experienced uh, the similar life, life in the 80s and 90s in Winnipeg, so we kind of talk about it and uh, <coughs> bring up memories and laughter and, you know, <clears throat> and we compare how life was back then to how life is now and what our youth, our, our, us as, as us when we were youth and today's youth is just, it's kind of total opposite, almost total opposite. It's like, uh, it has, uh, I don't know, kind of stood up, I guess. Before we were just like, we rebelled and we fought and we, uh, we just hated everybody. We fought back the way we the way we did. When we were younger. We just you know fought. When you have that anger, and when your peoples have been like treated such a way, mm-hmm. and you're treated such a way that you're, of yeah. course you're gonna lash out. Yeah. Of course people will lash out. But now today's youth, I'm like, I'm they're standing up, and they're not taking any crap, and you know that's 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 good. Before when I was a kid, I was like, I wasn't allowed to stand up. If I were to stand up, I'd get thrown in jail, you know. That was me when I was younger. I was in, in another jail. I was caught in that system. But I really never really did anything. Like, it was just the, the, the cops and they were always picking on me. You know, I'd be walking. I would be just walking on the street. I'd get thrown in jail for, like, 10 days, you know. Just, uh, they, would, they would drag their, you know, oh, nobody's setting out for me. Meanwhile, I could have been released a long time ago. This kept on happening, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but uh, it was my way and uh, I didn't really uh, believe in myself because uh, of, of, the, uh, of my childhood, I guess, uh, because of schooling and whatever happened to me. Um, I, I lost a lot of trauma in my life, but um, I, I grew up believing that I was bad because of what the nuns told me. I moved here and... Uh, um, like I, I was always negative. I was always, uh, because I did, I, I was traumatized, um, at a, at a young age, um, uh, and I lived a very abusive life. Uh, I was always believing that I was that negative gang, negative gang, or whatever, ne- negative member of society. Uh, I could never hold on a job. I, I was always fighting with, fighting with the world, I guess, and, uh, um, I, I would get all these good jobs. Like I cooked for a living, I, I, um, chef, I guess. Uh, and I, I, you know, I got a lot of pats on my back and I never felt worthy because of what I was told. <laughs> but, you know, uh, in May 2nd, 2013, um, I finally uh, came, um, it finally came, um, I finally abused uh, my last day. I, I, I had a spiritual awakening. I, uh, I, I did a, a drug overdose, and uh, I um, I went somewhere. I, I died for four and a half minutes. And I went somewhere, and uh, where I was told, I was told to. Uh, I had something to give back to my people, and I had to bring it from back from the dig it up from the ground. They said, and uh, so I, you know, I didn't. I came back, and I didn't remember this thing until I don't know, a few months, or three weeks after. I was on dialysis for three and a half months. Uh, I thought it was, you know, I thought this was life. I have to be on dialysis forever now. And uh, 
was angry and uh, I was I made it, I had a tantrum on the on the machine and uh, but then I gave in and I, this is when I first really gave in I thought you know I, I really gave in to my I started praying for real I cried for real and uh, I uh, I prayed in Cree I, I you know I, I cried I broke down and uh, as they were wheeling me up I was shown what what I seen and just four and a half minutes and I'm like wow. Like, like this was like watching TV in my head, like being wheeled up back to my room or being wheeled down to my room. It was like a memory that was playing. You know, I can still remember it, what what I seen. There's no concept of time after you die. There's no for a while. What I seen um, like today, I'm writing this novel. Like I've never written in my life. Uh, like I've written before, but I'm I'm writing this novel and it teaches Korean tells you all these stories that I've heard. And, uh, I have maybe about 50 to 60 stories in there in one novel, but they all overlap to that one protagonist. Like, it starts off with a boom in the beginning of the story, and it also ends with a boom at the end of the story. And now what's in the middle of this boom is his life flashing before his eyes. And I got, I got 600 pages and um, and it teaches you language. And I'm a visual writer, so it's like you're watching TV in your head. So, and uh, it's, it's all about Norway House, where I'm from. Um, it starts off in Norway House, and it goes all the way to Belgium. And uh, there's three uh, stories in there that uh, my grandfather talked about the war a lot. Like he had uh, he had his his uncle. Who was who went to war? Who never came back? Um, he he had stories uh, with him, and uh, all these stories were kind of like I, I wrote them into. I'm writing them into the novel, the war stories, and uh, the, you know the, the legends, uh, I guess. And uh, it's it's fun. It's fun because I'm telling them in Cree, and I want the the reader to buy the I'm at chapter forty five now. The, the reader should be able to understand Cree now, so I'm, um, you know, I'm writing most of it in Cree, but I also have it in English. But it's, it's it's cool because the novel teaches you language, and by chapter ten, you should be able to understand uh, or know what that word is, what uh, what what that word is. Um, that, that it's highlighted on the book so you'll be able to kind of read a little faster and you can read it over and over again it overlaps to the beginning so every each time you read it tells you a different story it tells you a different because you're learning language you're learning you're learning different perspectives of the book there's a there's a movie the movie is called playtime uh kind of like that idea every time you watch it you see a different story. Of course, there's like the main narrative going on. Yeah. But there's like so many things going on in the background. You're like, what? What is this? What? what what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> this is how it is. This is funny. As long as you start, like, you probably read it about four times, you'll be able to get the whole story. And uh, let's see that story behind it. I use poetry. I use poetry too. I'm a poet. So I, uh, when, when I came back to, like, all of a sudden, I was a poet. Started writing and uh, yeah. 
So it yeah. just kind of like happens right. after your experience. Do you, do you think uh, in that moment it was your, your grandfather and your ancestors kind of bestowing uh, a wisdom onto you? It felt like when they, when they spoke to me, it felt like a thousand voices all at once. And they all spoke Greek. Like, like all at once, like, how would I say? Uh, like, they all sang it kind of thing. And they all spoke Greek. Like, it was in, like in sync, like a voice in sync. And it's like, I have something to bury. bury. Like, after I got better, I graduated to government grade 12. Um, I went to Red River. I, I took uh, two terms of, or one term or two terms, I can't remember, uh, of, um, of uh, environmental engineering. I thought, okay, well, something in the ground, I got to, you know, figure it out. But uh, it wasn't, it's language. Language is being buried in the ground. And, uh, that's what I'm bringing back up so, through, through uh, my writing. I want to get into, like, I want to buy a, a virtual reality camera and I want to set it up where I could sit and have a fire and sit with a bunch of kids and maybe tell them a story and people people can come and sit with me in their living room and, you know, watch the fire, watch the fire, sit on top of this thing with me and, you know, I want to do these kind of things for, for, for our kids or people who can learn language at the same time, so. Yeah, so you know, I want to use this technology for 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 uh, teaching my language. The tools are there. Mm -hmm. Like you might as well utilize them in order to reclaim your la lost language and culture. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, and uh, you know, I'm just taking like people are telling. I've been I've been writing this novel for about maybe four and a half years, and people are telling me, "Oh, hurry up, hurry up!" But you can't, you know. I, I'm remembering. I'm dreaming it. <laughs> It's kind of like it's 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 a very different experience, yeah. and and this is the way that I'm teaching. Uh, you know, I love helping people with their commercials, uh, whatever, uh, uh, their books. I love teaching them uh, to make them understand. Oh, yeah, this is you know, like I noticed one of the one of the people I helped with his books. Uh, I noticed his spelling on his pre pre spelling is a little better now. So. You know, he's, 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 he learned a little bit. I gave him a little pamphlet on that, on that learning a, a little lesson. So, and, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a collaborative experience, all of this. Like, um, everyone like reclaiming language, reclaiming lost power. Yeah. Like, it's that collective approach that allows you kind of like the, the weaving of a net yeah. together yeah. or like the weaving of, um, thread to make a rope yeah. twine to make a rope yeah it's like the spider's web yeah individually not that strong yeah. but together yeah like i am working with people i'm working with other people that are teaching language but it's really hard because of colonization the people, mm -hmm. people don't want to work with me like you're having they, they think money they think oh how am i going to get paid or what's going to happen like right away they think that they want to make money, but it's not about money. It's about teaching and saving the language. And you know, they can apply for their own grants, and uh, maybe they can get. Uh, but for me, it's free, and uh, I'm, I'm teaching. Well, you know, uh, my 
my my payment is my life. <laughs> I guess that's why they brought me back. So, you know, uh, to teach this language um, that I love, and uh, and uh, I'm just going to keep on. Uh, you know, I've devoted my life to it, so I'm not going to. Uh, um, I'm not going to go any other way. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to, my next novel or my next story is a sci-fi. It has a lot to, yeah, it has a lot to do with the singularity and, uh, and the language and spirituality and how technology and spirituality, uh, how they clash. You know, it's gonna be like, there's a, there's a meteor that's gonna hit the moon that's gonna lessen the gravitational pull of the earth. So people will be able to jump far and there'll be less need of gas, rain. It's all it's like it's not gonna have all the cool stuff. But, you know, it's it's, it's just uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm happy that uh, I'm able to teach my language through the storytelling. Well, especially in such unique kind of a uh, context and kind of um style and genre. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I I think there is a few other books out there that have the same kind of genre, the same kind of technique, but I think there's one that's a Spanish book. I'm not sure. And then there's one that's an Ojibwe. But uh, I love I love learning that way. How can people help support uh, the work of this book? Well, um, right now I'm at the University of Winnipeg, but things, things will change. Uh, they can look me up on Facebook, uh, Cameron Robertson. I do have um, some books out there on my uh, summer uh, summer phrase, Cree phrase book. It's called Nipin. Um, they're out uh, in bookstores in the city here. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they're out nationally too, like uh, across Canada um, and some other bookstores. But uh, um, I'm not really set up. Uh, I haven't really set up my my uh, internet. I mean my uh, my uh, my website yet, but um, I'm working on it, and uh, it's going to be called Ayamitsigetan, which means let's read in Cree, and uh, I'm going to be uh, writing stories in there. Uh, my novel is going to be attached into that, uh, where it'll be, where you'll be able to read the book. You'll have a book in your hand, but it'll also be read to you online. Um, it'll be color coded online. You'll be able to click the words online to hear them out. Uh, and it'll teach you the root word, the words, uh, the adjective, whatever, how it could be used in grammar, and, you know, stuff like that. It's a little lesson that I'm going to be online, but uh, it's, called, it's going to be called Ayamitsigetan. I haven't gotten around to uh, building, a, building a website yet, but I am. As soon as uh, I'm done the dictionary for the novel, and I have over, geez, probably about fifty thousand words, three uh, words in novels now. So. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk, and have yourself a good one.